What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Entrust to Entrust podcast. It's Aiden here in the ever-moving podcast studio with my foil, my... Uh, friend? That, yeah, friend. Yeah, uh, foil, <laughs> foil kind of works, but it's I don't think it's technically correct. Isn't that a literary thing? Uh, a foil, I believe, is someone who is like the opposite of someone and it brings out their character okay yeah i think i kind of use it right i just it's, it's like, partly right i took an ap language class a while ago and sometimes i've just found and i know i'm not the only one with school you can just remember things yes, unconsciously yeah. okay oh. but it is kind of true uh, you are we are foils because we are very different but yet we are so very alike yes <laughs> yes we are <laughs> This is, I'm I'm sitting here. I'm the organized one. I'm wondering, Aiden, where are you going with this? It's a good day, though. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we, the goal is like, oh, we're going to be here at 9.30, record a podcast this morning. I wake up at, I think it was 9.20, called you. It was like, uh, David, we're going to move back because I just woke up. <laughs> he, get here. he moved to my time <laughs> we, schedule. We, we get here and he's he's got everything going. He's organizing things as he does. He's working with the interface that we have to record all this, and he's trying to explain things to me, and I'm just here like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Foil, yes. Couldn't be more different, but also the beautiful thing is couldn't be more like in Christ. That's the beauty mm-hmm. of what we got. It's fun to have you here, buddy. It's fun to do It's, it's good to be here. And we're sitting at a circular table today. That's also different. Just thought it I'd is. point that out for anyone it's, it's just who's trying us. to picture where we're at. Just just picture two guys, circular table, Bibles open, computers up, ready to talk about the flavor of the Savior. Woo! All righty. It's going to be fun. We got actually a really cool topic lined up today. Um, this is one that basically when we do these podcasts, we kind of do them in almost like seasons because we our college students, most of us, some of us have jobs as well. Um, but Dave and I are both in college. Um, so basically our time is kind of like, uh, during the semester, eh, not always that free, but then when we get on to breaks, um, we just have a lot of time. We're like, Hey, wait, let's, now we can do this. So we are back into the podcast recording season. It's kind of how this podcast goes. We're a little all over the place with releasing episodes, but the biggest heartbeat is whoever's listening. We just want you to grow in your walk just to know that God desires a relationship with you. So today we're actually going to be talking. Um, I feel we should talk about feelings. All righty, let's. Wow. That's. Do you like that? I, <laughs> I like feelings. We're we're talking about feelings today. I feel like we should talk about feelings. Okay, there's. It's a very broad um, topic. I think just want to narrow it as quick as we can. We're going to talk about feelings in the scope of our relationship with the Lord, um, not as much as a relationship with others. I know there's a lot out there on that um we want to just talk about um basically just walking through life with god i mean especially for people like us um and i know there's a lot of people around our church and even people who've been at church for a while who you you might know the lord for a long time right um what happens when it seems like those initial feelings of when you first got saved or when you really started to realize and understand what the gospel really is, what it really means to follow Jesus. Like what happens when you might wake up some mornings and I just want to say, be the first to say I'm in that camp sometimes. Even this morning was a little bit like that. If I'm just (laughs) completely transparent where it's like you wake up and you're thinking to yourself, wait, what? Like why, why, why do I not feel close to you, God, or feel this or that? Like the word feel basically (laughs) goes before all of those statements. Like I don't feel 
like I I have this peace that passes all understandings. I I don't feel like the burden is easy and light this morning or or today. I I don't feel like you you're closed or like I can sense your presence, God. Like what happens when you get to that point? Cuz the beautiful thing is scripture gives there's a lot on this. There is a lot. I think I think the <laughs> the first thing to say is we're we're trying to pin down the wind. Feelings are ever changing, <laughs> ever moving. Yes. And they also like to compound themselves. I feel here I'm starting a sentence with I feel. But <laughs> often in my experience, um when when I have a feeling, it's like, Oh, I got up this morning, I'm just not feeling passion for, for you, Lord. I realize, oh man, where's my passion gone? And right. then I feel discouraged and then because I'm discouraged, I'm like, man, today is just not great. And it snowballs into its own negative cycle. Or conversely, it can be a great day. You wake up and everything's going right. And you're like, man, yeah. I'm pumped. Exactly. This is a great day. And so the the important thing is where are we grounding ourselves? Mm-hmm. So do you have some scripture about this? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I feel like just to kind of pinpoint all that you just said into like a one-liner, I've heard it said before. This is not an original um, thought, but I've heard it and I really, really like it. Um, just lean in on this. Feelings are real, but not always reliable. Mm. I think there's just a lot of truth in that statement and there is a lot of scripture to back it up. Um, I actually want to first start with like, there is multiple men and women who felt this, multiple righteous, God-honoring people who did amazing things for the Lord throughout their whole life in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, who struggled with this very thing that they went through seasons of, uh, what's going on? Um, just to point you to the Old Testament first, um, Elijah, just an amazing prophet. Um, in First Kings, around chapter 19, he's I basically... Was, I was wondering if we were going to this. Oh yeah, we're, we're jumping right here. I think, and we, we actually talk about it, it's come up quite often here as well. I mean... I think this is the third time we've talked about this passage on, on this the podcast. podcast. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so it's a really good... It's a really good passage. Um, just to quick sum it up, Elijah's basically, in, in chapter 19, he's coming down from this literal mountain high experience where he just allowed the Lord to just demonstrate his power to so many people, just proving that God is truly sovereign. God is reigns over all the earth. He's powerful than any other, quote, air quote, God who contends with him. In reality, there's no contention at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet he's, he's coming down from that. And then all of a sudden, um, the 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 king or is the queen, queen Jezebel Queen Jezebel is like, all right, I'd, I've had enough with this guy. Let's go out. Let's get him. Let's kill him. She's threatening. May, may the gods deal with me if ever so severely, if he's not dead by tomorrow. Those are her, those are her words. Yeah. So she's sending a whole bunch of people after him. And all of a sudden, Elijah, this guy who just saw God's power is suddenly running for his life. And suddenly is, he's feeling all the feels. He is scared. He's terrified. He's in the wilderness and he gets so weak to the point where he's like, I can't do this anymore. I don't know if I have the strength to go on. And it's very interesting that just two chapters ago was the complete antithesis that he was completely confident, completely bold. And yet we see this, right? Um, An amazing person that God worked through. But here's the beautiful thing. And here's almost, I mean, literally, David, with everything we're going to talk about today, we're going to see this same theme. And the beautiful thing about scripture is it's living and active. It's the same things are happening today that were happening back then. God restores Elijah. I mean, God, in this case, literally sent an angel 
um, to, to give him the food that he needed, to give him the, the assurance and to continue to press on. And he even told him, like, look, you, you're not the only one. Like, he, he felt so isolated and alone, thinking, like, oh, I'm the only one who's still serving you, Lord. It's, at this point, it's, it's not even worth it. But God just provides the assurance that he needs to say, no, 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 look, there are over, okay, I, I might get this number wrong. <laughs> Is it, to say 600 or 6,000? Well, it's welcome to the game show where Aiden guesses the number <laughs> of prophets. <laughs> Uh, it's 7,000. Okay, 7,000. Of course it'd be seven. That's the Lord's number. Um, so God says like, look, there are 7,000 other prophets who have not bowed their knee to these gods, who have not crumbled, who still are faithful to me. Like rest assured, you are sealed. You are not the only one. I am working. I'm here. I'm with you. Give him the strength to keep going, to get out of that wilderness and just to continue doing what he does. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's an important thing we can learn from this whole passage, and that's that our circumstances often dictate how our feelings are going. So true. And when we're not feeling, um, when our feelings are not in the right place, we need to look at, okay, what are my circumstances and how mm -hmm. can I change that and not let our feelings dictate our actions. So in this in this passage, Elijah he his circumstances changed. Mm -hmm. He he went from being a powerful force for God, um, having this fire from heaven and killing all the prophets of Baal. It was a great day. They they had rain for the first time in so many years, um, and his circumstances were great. And then as soon as his circumstances changed, he was hungry. He had just run a crazy distance miraculously and he was tired and Jezebel makes one death threat and all of these circumstances pivot and his feelings pivot with it lord i wish i would die yep and again god's first response is to change his circumstances he 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 gives him food he gives him rest and then he does it again just to make sure and in, in our day-to-day -day life, mm -hmm. Aiden, you were talking about getting up this morning and how it's, it's a slog. Getting up in the morning is a really fickle circumstance to, <laughs> to, to, to set your day on, but it's what you start every day with. Right. You can wake up feeling just groggy and terrible, or you can feel like energized and ready for the day. Yeah. But regardless of how you're feeling, you still have to get out of bed. You've got to get up and make the choices for it to be a great day regardless of how you're feeling yeah and i think even past that like just getting to like a practical like today what's going on um i mean sometimes there are times or periods in our lives where like there's a lot of schoolwork there or if you work a job like there's a lot going on at work mm -hmm. things might be really bad things might be really good on the flip side or even just in your home life like there could be trials or ex external circumstances that can confine or or basically define your feelings I think it's just really impactful that a lot of, or notable, that's the better word I'm looking for here, that people, especially, I mean, I think it's no coincidence that having your quiet time early in the morning is what so many people push for. It's because it's that direct first thing of setting your mind on what matters. And I real quick want to touch on a New Testament example because it's going to kind of segue into what we're really trying to say here. So John the Baptist, um, the forerunner mm. for Jesus also felt 
kind of the same things that Elijah felt. He did so many great mighty miracles. He basically introduced, hey, Jesus is coming. I'm, I'm baptizing you. It's time to repent of your sins. There's one coming who's even greater. Eventually, John gets thrown in prison, and Jesus is out doing his ministry, and he has one of his disciples go to him. I think it's in Luke 7, around verses 18 through 22. Um, he says, um, like, his disciple comes and tells Jesus, John's, like, saying, are you, is this really it, or are we expecting someone else? And, guys, this is Jesus. Like, John confidently, a couple chapters ago, knew who it was. And, in fact, I think this is even after John baptized Jesus. Am I wrong? Yes, um, it is. Like it is it yeah. is after. He's in prison for the rest of his life. Right. So and he literally baptized Jesus and he saw the dove descend, saw God's voice so clearly saying that, look, this is my son who I love. This is he is the one. He is the mm-hmm. Messiah. He's gonna take away the sins. And yet John finds himself in this circumstance where he's in jail. He's probably not in a really good headspace. And he's he's finds himself just straight up doubting, like, is this really it? But yet I think what's just so key in this passage, just like the first Kings one, is is Jesus' response. I don't have it exactly open here, but it's something along the lines of like, Jesus responded saying, go tell John, like the blind see, the deaf hear, like what we're doing is really happening. Like realize it's what's really happening. And then going back to that, like having a morning quiet time or spending time in the word to combat this ups ups and downs, oscillating feelings, is to remember the truth, mm-hmm. to be defined by what matters. Realize that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when the writer of Hebrews said that, he what he really meant was God is amazing and glorious every single day. His glory does not fade. It does not change. It is the same throughout time. And that is the most awesome thing that you can take hold of. It's not the same as like, oh, this toaster oven's the same. It, kind of works the second lever doesn't pop i don't know why where it's, this it's more unchanging <laughs> than the toaster right or just anything else like and i think that a verse like that or promises like that you got to be on guard that we're not taking that in context of like the world because the reality is jesus is so much more perfect and whole than anything this world has you can't really compare that claim or statement to oh this is just the same like it's it's the same in the best way. It's the same right. in the most wholesome way. And that's why we got to go back to the word. That's why you got to wake up in the morning and be like, all right, Lord, my feelings, my thoughts aren't here, but let me get into your word. Let me get into what is reliable and what I know to be true and to have that restore me. Um, I, that's why I love Psalm 23, man. And I think there's <laughs> a second part to it too. It's not just reminding yourself of the truth. It's then acting in that knowledge. Yes. And isn't that called wisdom? Knowing the right thing and then doing it? That sounds about it's, right. It's about right. <laughs> but when we're feeling all over the place, <laughs> the, 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 we, we can know the, the truth. But then if we just sit there and say, yeah, I know God's great. I'm still feeling really, really tired and cranky this morning. Um, it's, it's not making a change. Right. So act in accordance to God's love, act in accordance to God's joy. Mm-hmm. It's a choice, and your feelings will often follow. I, I love this analogy. I don't remember where I heard it. It's not a David original. But <laughs> the idea that um, our life is a train, and the feelings should be the caboose. Ooh. So when you've got truth, when you've got right action going at the head of the train, then the caboose will follow. Your feelings will follow. 
when you're living right for Jesus, your feelings will follow that train. But if you put the caboose in the front, that train can go wherever it wants to go. And yeah, it spirals out of control. You don't pull a train with a caboose. I think Psalm 119 really speaks to this. It's it's the longest chapter, right? Yeah, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. And basically the whole thing is kind of saying the same thing. Like, Lord, I delight in your decrees because they teach me to love you. Like Mm -hmm. doing God's work. Um, really just revives that. I, I mean, honestly, the second half of this combo is really going to be how how do we turn and ignore what our feelings might be saying and be rooted in what's true? And I think that what you're saying is just such a big thing that like, you know it, right? Be reminded of the truth, yeah. but then go and continue to live it out because like it's, you're, you're going to see the promises of God come true. And mm-hmm. I think that's another thing we got to do is hold tightly to the promises of God. Know that like, the promises of scripture are true. And inversely, the warnings of scripture are true. That yes. those who turn away from, I think Psalm 16 says like those who follow idols are going to just suffer more and more. And I mean, books like Ecclesiastes, which says if you're looking for pleasure in something other than what's true, what's righteous, what's the sovereign God, you're you're going to miss it. Everything's meaningless. Everything's vanity. Don't um, let the sun go down on your anger. Yeah. Lest you give the devil a foothold. Exactly. It's the feelings are often something that entrap us. Mm-hmm. It's it's a temptation to sit and wallow. And so we're not called to sit and wallow in our feelings. We're called to be people of action. Yeah. One of my favorite promises is just the whole chapter of Psalm 23. Um, it's no surprise. I know you've heard it. Um, but there's a verse, uh, the third verse says, um, he leads me around along the right paths for his name's sake. And that's just such a beautiful promise because the reality is when we're walking with the Lord, like his name's the one that's on the line. But if you look at scripture, if you look at creation, if you look at just the lives of so many men and women, like you're going to see who are following the Lord. You're going to see that God is not making empty promises. God is not aimlessly leading us. And Paul, even in the New Testament in Corinthians, first uh, Corinthians, I was in second, first Corinthians nine basically just talks about, am I, um, just boxing like a, uh, uh, hold on, where is it? Uh, he's not fighting like a boxer beating the air. He's not running aimlessly. Like he's running mm-hmm. with a purpose. He's running with intention. And I think that's just such a beautiful reminder that there's like, we have a goal. We have a purpose. And for me, like uh, someone who loves running, who loves being out doing sports, like this just speaks a whole lot to me. I don't know if there's like a coding version of this, David. But um, like when I think of a race, you, you know there's a goal. You know that you have an objective. You have something that you're out there purposely doing. Every step of that race, and, and you hear this analogy a lot, is not going to be very pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you can realize you're on the pace, you're doing it right, but you're not there yet. So you got to keep going. Sometimes you can be off the pace or you can feel the, in Arizona, you can feel the weight of the hot sun beating down on you and you can be panting and you can just feel like you want to quit, you want to give up, but you keep going because you know what the goal is. You know what the goal is. You know what you're striving for. Paul even says, I'm not, uh, I I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus took hold of me. Like Not that I've already attained it. Right. He's forgetting everything in the past and just continuing to go on towards the goal, which is knowing God. It's, mm-hmm. it's just pressing on. And part of that takes discipline. So I do have a question for you. Hit me with do it. Do you, when you run, so you're a runner, do you run governed by your feelings? <laughs> oh, dude, that's a good one. Yes. No. <laughs> 
If, Absolutely so not. What actually. would happen if you ran, if you were just running how you were feeling? Right, right. It would, and I feel like sometimes if you want to see that, just look at someone who's running for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. It's, yep. You start, you get going, all of a sudden you're going to start feeling tired. And if then, you're going by your stops. feelings, yeah. you stop. But the thing is, you you keep going because you know that there is something worth more to it than just the feelings. And some parts of it are going to be hard. And that's why I love this analogy. And thank you for asking that question to kind of bring it out. Like some parts of walking for the Lord are just going to be hard. You're just Mm -hmm. going to have to go on that uphill. And sometimes it might not be a super clear external trial. Sometimes the reality of it is just in what people call dry seasons, just trusting that God is still working, even if you might not see what's going on. And I mean... It makes you think of like Abraham, like he had to trust God for a promise for a while. And some parts of it just didn't really know what was going on. But yet he kept trusting the Lord and eventually saw that promise come to fruition. And if we look at the stories of Abraham's biggest failures, too, as he did that, it was when he stopped trusting what God had said, stopped trusting God's truth and let his feelings dictate what he did. Mm -hmm. So when he was governed by fear, he had his wife pretend that she was his sister right <laughs> and it did not end well because um, he's going outside of what, exactly what God's promise. he was like ah, i gotta take it into my own hands and like that's the thing you gotta just trust that he who promises faithful he's leading us along the right path for his name's sake i do have a passage to kind of close us out Bet. um philippians 4 verses 4 through 9 always be full of joy in the lord i say it again rejoice Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me, everything that you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. There's one phrase that really stands out in that. And it was in verse 6, I think, that says, Tell God what you need. Mm -hmm. I think that that is a big thing in this. Just being honest in your prayer life. I think it really makes a difference. But the second half of that phrase says, Thank him for all he has done. Yep. Remember who you're talking to, you know, remember it's, what prayer really is all about. That whole section is just different ways of remembering God's truth and then acting on it. What do you, what do you think about the phrase, always be full of joy in the Lord? I say it again, rejoice. I think that being full of joy is being different than having the feelings of joy mm-hmm. or happiness. Like understand that it, it looks different than what the world calls it it's a choice it's an action rather than a feeling it's a choice is an action rather than a feeling i think that's just so big being filled with it instead of always feel joyful yes it's not what we're called to do right it's called to and i think it's just this understanding and another thing we love to say on here is just preach the gospel to yourself and and with that being recognized where the joy is coming from it's coming from the strength that we have in christ so it's that action of just reminding yourself where the joy comes from Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yep. So I think that's about all that we have time for. But just remember that you're fixing your thoughts on what is true. And that's where you should be going, not with your feelings. When you said, always remember, I was about to say, God made you special. And he loves you very <laughs> much. That's, that's perfect. <laughs> Sweet. Well, hey, we love you guys. We'll see you next time.